One, two, three. Surprise! <clears throat> hey, Brady. Hey, Chuck. Uh, this is a uh, this is a surprise drop here that we're doing. Ah, uh, little. It sounds like diarrhea. Little special. Well, you surprise know. drop. Yeah, I'm on the toilet. Where are you? <laughs> this is a Skype call. J.K., we're in the studio. In the stew. So hey, um, so we're gonna do a little. We're gonna drop a little episode before we do. Let's let's have a little chat, Chuck. Uh, tell tell our listeners what you've been up to over the break and uh what's gonna happen soon oh boy oh boy uh, what have i been up to over the break um uh, f- f- uh getting my life together mostly that's a good, that's a good thing <laughs> try, trying to take advantage of like not having to spend eight hours editing and uh listening and, to my dumb voice and listening to brady's dumb voice and figuring out which offensive jokes to take out i'm just kidding <laughs> it's not that bad um now, uh, yeah, I, uh, boy, have I done anything? And exciting? by the way, when you sure. say offensive jokes, you pretty much half of those. What you mean is just they were offensive to you because they were so good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, they like my humor is Brady's so on point. Superior sense of humor makes me feel, um, you know, unimportant. You know, I've missed this. I've so missed this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, I don't miss Brady lording his his superior sense of humor over me mm. that's for sure yeah we got to talk we were requested to speak somewhere yeah we yeah we got to we got to do a talk do one I, of those irl irl it was pretty cool it very was. very cool group of people uh so this was at the ethical society of mid rivers or mm-hmm. the mid rivers ethical society I think you put the Mid Rivers first, last. I got confused Ethical Society last of Mid-Rivers. season. If you remember from uh, James Croft's episode of whether it was the Ethical Society of St. Louis or if it was the St. Louis. I know Ethical that's Society. of St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so I think it might be uh, Ethical, Ethical Society, Society of Mid Rivers. It's like uh, colon, Mid Rivers strikes again. Yeah, boogaloo, um, electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. Mm hmm. Um, no, but very nice people, and they had us yeah, come killer. in. And we were able to uh, talk about the life after, and it was weirdly like church. It was weirdly like church. It was yeah. a Sunday morning. Um, There's this kind of a smaller building, uh, and it was like yeah, set up like a but fellowship once, hall. Once almost. we got there, it was I felt I felt totally cool. I didn't feel like I was about to preach. I felt like I was about mm. to give a, 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 a an intellectual talk or whatever we we want to call that. <laughs> And it went really well. Yeah. And, the, and I'm sorry, all of you on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see the amazing PowerPoint presentation that I put together. Oh, it, was, it was so good. Uh, because this is an audio um, right. medium. I don't know if you knew that before, but now you do. Um, yep. You were hearing us talk. You were not seeing us talk. Right. Um, but we do have the audio. That's uh, true. That we're gonna, and we're going to share it with you um, for those of you who, uh, who want to hear it. Uh, it's not the best audio, unfortunately. We we weren't recording the microphones we were directly talking into. It was, it was like a couple of room mics that we were able to use. Um, so it, yeah, it's not it's not the best, but um, get off your high horse, you audiophiles. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, I can listen to it, so you can too, because I'm definitely an audio audiophile. Before we play that, though, um, we are going to be back soon. Season two. We're coming back. How uh, many how many episodes do we have uh, recorded so far? Like. Uh, I would say like five. Five at the time of recording this. Give, yeah. or, give or take at this point, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited about season two. It's going to be lit. So we're thinking, well, we said January 6th. Is that what we agreed on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's coming soon. Uh, mark it on your calendar. And um, 
get get stoked about it. In the meantime, we got this to hold you over, and um, uh, also to hold you over, we have um, a Facebook group that you can find uh, a private Facebook group uh, where you can safely uh, process your deconstruction with other people that are going through the same thing. No, uh, no. Uh, no Christian, no bad Christians allowed. Yeah, no, no, no bad Christians. Allowed. No crusty have, Christians. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah. SpongeBob is only. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's like ninety nine point nine nine seven percent people that are either spiritual or atheist or agnostic or something, right? Nobody. It's like we, we, there's, one there's or more, two Christians in there. That's three, four there's Christians. There's more maybe. like liberal Christians. No, anyway, the shit point up. is the point is that it's a safe space. We don't we don't uh, allow uh, like blatant you know criticism or any sort of proselytizing or anything that remotely resembles the things that traumatized us in religion. It's a safe space. So if you want to hang out there. Uh, me and Brady are on there a lot, and there are a lot of really great people that are admins uh, that are that are have become good friends of ours, and there are a lot more people that are just there to hang out and <clears throat> and and, uh, and be together. And yeah, Priska um, from season one, she is hosting a group for people of color, right? Um, and then our friend Angie, who's going to be one of our interviews for season two, stay tuned. Uh, she has a group uh, about political activism. Yep. And um, I have a group about secular mindfulness and a couple other uh, ways to kind of like help uh, reduce the symptoms of religious trauma syndrome while healing. Um, additionally, if you please, if you don't mind, uh, please get onto iTunes, rate and review us and subscribe. That really helps us a lot as we are growing podcast. And uh, we also have a Patreon. Um, anything else you want to tell our, our friends before we Well, I was we going to ask to? you a question, Brady. Oh, um, okay. What, uh, of the of the topics that we have laid out or the interviews that we've decided that we've confirmed for the, the next season, <laughs> what's, which one are you looking forward to the most? <laughs> uh, shit, there's so many. Uh We've already interviewed my friend um, Andrew, who came from the life after Dogma. He's got a he's got a blog, and it's amazing. But I'd say that my oh god, my most favorite that I'm thinking about. I don't know. Let me think. Uh, how about Doctor uh, Marlene Winnell, the author of fucking oh. Leaving the Fold, is going to be in our podcast. Literally, the reason the show exists is this is this human being. So uh, we're very 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 excited for that interview. And she's she is the pioneer of of religious trauma syndrome. Um, she she has done the most work on it. Um, she's she has, infected a lot of rats with it, and she's done a lot of yeah, studies. She's done a lot of studies. Um, she's a neuroscientist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but she is. A <laughs> she told rats that there was Jesus when they were born, and then yeah, whenever it got then, like a few days old, she's like, "Just kidding." There's no Jesus. And then those rats turned into mice. <laughs> and they got all their tails stuck together. And they became a keen oh, mouse. Oh my god. Um, I was not anticipating that. Uh, to be what that episode is going to be about, but I, I'm looking forward to it. Now. Google Rat King. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weirdest. It is the weirdest Google thing. Rat. Have you ever? You know what I'm talking about? Brady, no, I don't know. Where Google what is, Rat King? Everyone, we, is this the life after still? <laughs> rat King. <laughs> I just have okay. Thirteen we, rats in her house. We took a quick break to check out um Rat to Google 
Rat King, and boy, oh boy, do do I recommend it. Google Rat King. So the episode I'm most excited about <laughs> at this moment in time is uh is the is the our episode our episode with Tim Rymel. Or Rymel, Rymel, uh, Rymel, uh, who uh, who just put out a book about the uh, the the origins um, and progression of the religious right, which is mm. super super relevant right now, right after uh, the midterm elections, and uh, and just with Jesus Christ, that I'm gonna have nightmares about that rat king. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. And uh, we're gonna we're just gonna jump right into this uh, this talk that we gave, while and, I have an existential crisis. And remember, if you don't go to church on Sunday, the rat king, rat will, king get you. will get you. Um, I want to thank you all so much for letting us come here. Uh, we're not used to being seen. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason it's audio only on our podcast. Right? <laughs> Are you, is that an ugly, you're calling me ugly? No, anyway. Um, I started this podcast uh, and community about a little over a year ago after I went through some really crazy times. I was gonna be a pastor, that was what my entire life was dedicated to. It all just went burning to the ground. Um, and I found myself knowing nobody or what was going on. So um, I decided I, I wanted to talk about that journey and I found a couple of people who may know about it. And I, uh, I picked up, we got back in touch with my friend Chuck here. Um, if you want to go to the next slide. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, this was Chuck and I, uh, 2006. <laughs> Picture. Right, that's Chuck, and there's me. Uh, that's when, that was the weekends that we met uh, at, a, at a Christian music festival. And then we just had kind of a friendship, and we didn't see each other for years and years and years. Yep. And then uh, we all ended up in the same place, uh, not being part of our old Christian fundamentalism. And here we are. I just want to point out that the guy on the far left, I don't think we ever saw him again after that day. But for some reason, Brady knows his name, so oops. MySpace. <laughs> Um, so, so Brady came to me uh, interested in, basically just interested in interviewing me for the podcast because he knew we had, uh, you know, somewhat similar story. Um, and, you know, we're, we're discussing this over uh, dinner at Layla's, I think, and um, like halfway through it, I'm like, oh man, I really want to like dude, I want to to commit to this. Um, And like, I'm kind of an audio nerd, so I knew Brady would need some help with that. uh, Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we record, so we we got together, we recorded the first episode, and it was terrible, and we threw it out, (laughs) we recorded it, and then that's the first episode that is available now, so we redid it. But um, the reason I I got on board with this was just uh, that I, um, when I deconstructed my faith, um, I didn't have, I mean, I was like Googling, trying to find resources, um, um, trying to find good books, recommendations, people that really understood what I was going through, and I found almost nothing. Uh, so 
when Brady made this proposition, I was like, oh man, I have so many things to say about it. <laughs> like I was still, I was still pretty angry at the time, I think. So I was like, oh cool, I can rant on, you know, a microphone about it for a little bit. That's exactly um, what happened. But um, I was the uh, interesting thing about me and Brady is that Brady was like a very, very, very conservative theologian, and I was a very, very liberal theologian. And we were we were friends uh, with the commonality of being Christians, but we would constantly debate theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience of uh, of Christianity is a lot less abusive because it's it's a lot less uh, I guess like kind of conservative and fundamentalist. But um, there's still so much overlap that we found, and so I think the sort of the, the diversity between the two of us has has contributed a lot to the show. Um, so anyway. Um, Yeah, so one of the things that kind of sparked the show was we learned about a term called religious trauma syndrome. We call it RTS um, probably throughout this presentation. But religious trauma syndrome is a lot like PTSD or complex PTSD. Uh, It's finally being studied. And it's common a lot with people who are coming out of uh, black and white religious oppression. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. But that's kind of what sparked the idea of the podcast. And I think finally we were able to kind of make some uh, some resources that would be helpful for people. Chuck, do you mind defining RTS for us? Yeah, yeah, so uh, as you can see there, uh, religious trauma syndrome, uh, the condition experienced by people who are struggling with leaving an authoritarian dogmatic religion and coping with the damage of indoctrination. So a lot of the, uh, the symptoms are similar to like sort of normal PTSD, um, depression, anxiety, anger, arousal, arousal, Meaning, like, uh, uh, sort of like your when you have PTSD, your your lizard brain, your old brain, sort of like takes in information. The kids um, are in here, Chuck. You don't have to lie. We all <laughs> I guess know, that's true. We all know what arousal. We all know what arousal means. <laughs> um, no, it's so so it's it's basically like your brain telling you that you're in danger when you're not uh, oh. due to, to uh, trauma, trauma triggers. triggers, right? So those are the pretty normal things. So uh, we wanted to include ones that are more specific to religious trauma syndrome, um, loss of meaning or purpose. So your entire life is sort of rooted in this idea that God has a purpose for your life, and you can learn, you can you can uh, establish a, a direction that way. And then when you stop believing in God, that goes away. Um, difficulty belonging in the secular world or like a fish out of water feeling. A lot of people, especially people that grew up in church, have been so immersed in the culture that they uh, are sort of lost when they when they find their way out of it. Um, difficulty experiencing pleasure. A, a really big thing in Christianity is this sort of like uh, altruism. This like uh, there's a there's a pretty prominent verse in in Philippians where Paul says. Um, uh, do nothing out of vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. And that's like a really big concept in Christianity. So there's like this, there's like this uh, need for self-denial that you sort of get obsessed with. So then when you when you free yourself from that and you uh, allow yourself to sort of do what you personally want to do, you can you have trouble sort of like being comfortable with that. Which what you want to do is going to involve actual self-denial. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's naturally compassionate and cares is going to want to deny themselves. So it's not like a uniquely idea that is coming from the religion or anything like that. But it, when it kind of forces that, you kind of get that idea 
Yeah, you're, you're kind of, when you're Christian, you're always looking for ways to deny yourself, whereas uh, normal people will do it when it's necessary. Right. Necessary, right? So uh, sexual difficulty is a really big one. That's that the one's kind of like obvious given the mainstream sort of conversation surrounding Christianity right now. Um, a lot of, probably more than half of our listeners are queer in some capacity. Um, I'm not queer, but I still like have had a lot of weird, just like sexual obstacles to overcome. Oh. Don't look at me like that, Brady. I thought you were going to tell a story that I didn't know about. <laughs> um, Which, and I'm, I wish I had a good story. I'm gay. Brady's super gay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, there you Thank you. <laughs> I mean, look, look at this shirt. Brady Harden. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, uh, so lots of family, community. Um, that's a really that's a really difficult one uh, that I think a lot of people kind of don't see coming um, when they leave the faith is that the, the, you sort of have... You sort of have faith that the people that you've been around and that have, have claimed to love you your, your entire life or for several years will be there for you as you're going through this process. But a lot of times, more often than not, they just sort of like quietly abandon you or sometimes actively abandon you yeah, in Brady's case. That happens. <laughs> um, poor sense of self-worth, again, kind of goes back to the experiencing pleasure thing, the altruism. Um, poor critical thinking skills. That one's really big for people that uh, grew up in church that um, uh, that were like indoctrinated from a young age, like myself. Um, I was, uh, I mean, I'll get more into this later, but I was homeschooled. I went to Christian high school. I was immersed in church culture. I went to church multiple times a week. And you're sort of just spoon-fed answers uh, to, to life's difficult questions instead of being able to, like, really wrestle with things. Um, so you, you, you have to sort of learn to develop those critical thinking skills. Black and white thinking, again, like, uh, sort of, like, strict moralism, especially in more fundamentalist circles. Um, makes it really hard to like understand that there are gray areas and uh, you can really struggle with that when you're out. So this whole concept was uh, was con was pioneered by Dr. Marlene Wynell. If anybody knows her personally, uh, we would we'll pay you money to get her on our show. So. <laughs> she's, uh, she's and really... the cool thing about this slide is it also doubles as like my biography. Like right. I, yes. I literally yeah. each one of these is so big in my story, and I thought it was me that I was just kind of. Oh, I'm gonna watch myself and not say bad words. I was messed up. I was so <laughs> messed up, and and it wasn't until I started to realize, oh, this is a thing, that when I read it, I'm like, I'm not crazy. Look at that. Right. For this reason, um, and and that was kind of part of my my being indoctrinated, which is the next word that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. And so so I, before we move on, like uh, so, there's sort of like a uh, we a big part of what we've been learning doing this show is that there's like a process to this that results in religious trauma syndrome. Um, and so we wanted to walk you through like kind of the, 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 the steps that we think leads to people getting sort of like, uh, people getting traumatized because of their religion. Uh, bingo, bango. Indoctrination. Um, again, the funny thing about Chuck and I, because we have different experiences, he can talk about uh, indoctrination objectively as like a as like a scholarly way and I can talk about a indoctrination from like a, the inside out so, you know I was very very indoctrinated my family was strict I grew up in a very Southern Baptist home my dad was a deacon at our church ended up cheating on my mom big horrible divorce really bad home life but like I that caused me to run to the religion and so even as a kid I was more and more immersed in it because that became 
my family. And so I was gravitated towards that because I was not getting that sort of um, community and mentors or anything like that at home. Um, but I was getting where I found the most positive reinforcement. And I was a uh, cute, smart kid uh, who cared about people. And those are the type of people who do well in, in church and on the Disney Channel. <laughs> uh, so it's, indoctrination is the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of uh, beliefs critically. Um, we called this blind faith, um, just this idea that um, we say that blah, blah, blah is going to happen if you do X, Y, and Z. If you uh, train your child in a way that they will go, they will not leave the ways of the Lord. You know, we had these ideas, these very rigid rules that when we believe them fundamentally is black and white truth. Um, when something didn't work, we had to blame ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what indoctrination does. Um, so one thing that... With my situation, uh, just to give a really quick story, is that uh, I was, I, I knew that I was gay. I was attracted to men since I was 14. That's when I became like aware of like, hey, there's something's wrong here. Um, being raised on the back. Who was it? Who, who made you know? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, JTT. Uh, That's Randy from Home Improvement, in case anybody's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I realized, you know, hey, there's something not right here. And so I was taught as a Southern Baptist that anybody who's gay, they choose to be that way. And here I am, like, if that's the truth, then what is wrong with me subconsciously that, you know, I'm doing this? And so we had all these things of like, well, if you're gay, it's because uh, your dad didn't love you enough or your mom uh, was too controlling, which both of these are true so far. And then another one is like, oh, I didn't have enough guy friends. And so we would always kind of make good, up. Good Christian guy. Friends. Christian guy friends. This is it's like a buzz phrase. And so instead of calling myself gay, I was struggling with same sex attraction, you know? So we had to return things and we had to kind of fall into these categories that we were comfortable with. And so um, another time that I experienced that was um, I knew that acting upon my homosexuality would never be an option for me, ever, because I was, uh, was going to get married. I was going to do what God wanted me to do, you know, with my beliefs. I ended up marrying a woman. She knew before our first date that I was attracted to guys because I am transparent to a fault. Uh, we got married, and in our marriage, she has some mental health issues, borderline personality disorder, and um, it got really ugly. And she had an Ashley Madison account and cheated on me over and over and over after our son was born. And so our church got involved and they were going to fix us. They were going to fix us. And so they did counseling and they said that um, she needed to stop seeing her therapist, which was a thing that I had been fighting for as a husband for a long time because I wanted her to get help, you know, and uh, I want to make this a lot faster. I'm sorry, but uh, I fought for that. But they told her to stop seeing her professional Christian therapist because, quote, they wanted to be the only voices she was hearing. And whenever their idea of what counseling was didn't work, then it was because I wasn't loving her enough as a husband. And so um, they ended up telling when I took her back four times and they kept on pushing her to come back. So I had to live through that trauma of finding my ex-wife cheating uh, and talking to this guy, this married guy, over and over and over. At the same time, in between one of those, my best friend uh, just died of sudden heart failure. Um, and so I had to 
over and over and over because it was never an option to them that the way that they were doing counseling, in their minds it was 100% right and it would always work if we did what we needed to do. But because that wasn't happening, it had to have been my fault. Uh, so my story, um, a pretty different, uh, my indoctrination story, I was kind of, I was, I was more or less raised to, uh, let's see, I was raised to be an independent thinker with the asterisk that I was an independent thinker as long as I was a Christian. So, so I, uh, I, I rebelled a lot earlier than Brady did. Uh, by the time I was in college, I was completely done with fundamentalism. But, um, but to give you an idea, I was, I was homeschooled. Um, I was an only child and I was homeschooled. I spent a lot of time just with my mom. I had some neighborhood friends, but it, you know, it was, uh, I was a, I was a really lonely. Actually, it took me a long time to realize that I that to like recognize the emotion of loneliness because I was so lonely growing up all the time. Um, so uh, I was homeschooled. We used this extremely uh, fundamentalist uh, Christian curriculum uh, called called Becca uh, Becca books. Uh, probably nobody here has heard of them, but um, it comes out of a, a college, a Pensacola Christian College, which is really kind of notorious in the Christian world for being. Uh, like like Bob Jones, totally crazy. Yeah. Uh, Color coded sidewalks. Right, right, yeah. So they have like uh, they have really strict like like uh, men and women are not allowed to you know be in the same spaces under a lot of circumstances. They have this like kind of unspoken policy where if you like make eye contact too long with the opposite sex, it's like, it's like a bad, you know, it's, it's like a violation of their, uh, like purity policy or something like that. They call it, they call it making eye babies. Um, yes. It's very, very ridiculous. Now, uh, I will. That's why sex education is so important. Yeah, right. Right. You cannot make babies with your eyes. The life after does not hold that, that view. Um, <laughs> Yes. No, we don't hold that view. No. So, <laughs> so, um, but that's why we are a podcast. I don't want any illegitimate. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so Audio only. I should qualify that and say my parents are not that conservative. But this is a really common thing where like reasonable parents will get involved in homeschool circles with right-wing crazy people and then they'll sort of get inadvertently sucked into the culture and then what happens is like their kids wind up more conservative than them which is like uh it's like a really common problem and then you sort of like they so that happened a lot with our generation in particular there was like our generation was like this really big youth group generation we had this youth group boom and there was this church youth culture like explosion and a lot of it was because of these like dr james dobson like fronted efforts to educate youth on like Christian morality, right? So, um, so I was kind of the result of that. Uh, very ashamed to say, in high school, I served on the George W. Bush campaign trail in 2004. Um, I'm so sorry, everybody. 
I didn't mean it. I didn't know, you know. Um, but by the time I was in college, I, I sort of like left that whole thing, started thinking for myself and redefining. But it would be a long time before I left Christianity. So um, we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about um, indoctrination. So um, I really like, Richard Dawkins is a little bit militant for my taste, but I, I like this analogy that he uses. He compares indoctrination to a virus. And I really like that because viruses don't, you don't spread a virus on purpose. Um, it usually- That outbreak monkey. The what? Do you remember that movie Outbreak? That monkey, I think he knew what he was doing <laughs> when he bit that guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just thought of that. The outbreak that. I monkey. Like, I was like, I don't know what you're There's talking about, Brady. There's an exception. We do, a lot of, we do a lot of, I don't know what you're talking about, Brady, on the show. So. <laughs> um, That's my little name. That's right. Um, so you don't choose to catch a virus. You don't choose to transmit a virus. You usually get it because either one person around you or several people around you have it. You catch on to it. Um, and you don't, we, viruses aren't really created very often. They don't, they don't really, uh, they're, they're, it's rare that a new virus comes about, um, but they do evolve over time to sort of survive, right? We're seeing like a really extreme example of that in evangelicalism right now where, uh, where Christians are like adapting to Trump culture in order to, because, because the ultimate goal is, is outlawing abortion, so they're making all these compromises. So the whole system has to evolve, right? The whole indoctrination has to like rethink the way that it, it, it it's rhetoric and everything, right? So, um, but we got the antivirus. We got the antivirus. We're the ones. We're we're Will Smith. <laughs> I am legend. Um, so uh, another analogy that I like to use is uh, is like pillars or like I think we came up with Jenga yesterday, which probably works even better. Um, so. Christian, the, the entirety of Christian theology, at least in the fundamentalist sense, is sort of like built on, on a few pillars, or in this case, like a, a small stack of uh, you know, three, let's well, say three beliefs on the bottom, and then you sort of stack three beliefs on that, and three beliefs on that. And the issue with indoctrination is that if you pull the wrong one out, the whole structure tumbles, right? Whereas like normal critical thinking is sort of like a, a much broader knowledge base, right? So if you take one part out, you might lose a wing, but it doesn't really matter because the, the entirety of the world is standing in place, right? Um, so that's sort of where um, a lot of people like get hung up in indoctrination is that um, you like it's it's sort of it's very taboo in Christian culture to prod at those bottom uh, Django pieces or those those little pillars like uh, the God created the world God is good Jesus is God um, you know and you, you can literally trust, you can trust the Bible one hundred percent or things like that right right the Bible is an errand or you can trust it one hundred percent things like that. Um, so, so it's really taboo to poke around at those, and usually just sort of get handed uh, a book by Lee Strobel or something. I had a Facebook argument recently, and uh, somebody's response was, I had a question, and all they could respond was, Lee Strobel's Ravi Zacharias. <laughs> and if you don't know, there are two people that are they're like, um, Christian apologists. Apologize. And it, it, it's kind of like they're the go-to two that people go to if they ever do get kind of like a question about uh, the historical 
accuracy and, and anything like that can just right, but they have two people to take a look. I mean, in most people that are not with, without conclusion bias, you, their answers are very unsatisfactory, right? Um, speaking of Christian apologists, can I talk about this slide? Yeah, do it. Okay. Do it. This is one of my favorite slides. I remember this when I was a kid. This is from uh, Answers in Genesis. If you guys are familiar with them and Ken Ham, uh, that's the guy who, who who built a giant Noah's Ark in Kentucky. <laughs> also runs the Creation Museum. Recently debated Bill Nye. Um, yeah, just and he's the one who says that you have to take the Bible, uh, like the six-day creation story, as literal. Because if you don't take it as a literal six days, then uh, then Jesus wouldn't matter. And it goes to this whole thing where it just. But but this is what we're talking about is if you don't take it completely literal, um, as some people would say, then there is no protection for some of their beliefs to take other things literal. So it kind of becomes like a domino effect, or as we said, a, a, a jenga falling over. But uh, what they do is uh, this is like. A updated version of the like we didn't we song. didn't like I we could have used this for my analogy which is what cracks me up about it he falls into that so many times he said like if you don't believe that there's a six day then that will make you an atheist or something right right people anyway. are like, yes that's actually what happens but um, uh, that happens to a lot of people not everybody <laughs> right. but but the thing is that uh, this is the tower of Christianity and what they and here's I guess the rest of us okay uh, we call those the Gentiles whenever I was younger. <laughs> so the here, humans, actually, humans. To, to make this even funner, they have labeled this flag humanism. Oh, all right. right. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is all you people, all right? <laughs> you nasty uh, ethical societies right here. But you're shooting, <laughs> you're shooting your cannonballs, which do not explode, by the way. All right. Um, at at here, which is creation thousands of years, because it's really important to them that the world is only 6,000 years old. Um, and this is God's word is truth. And they said, if we can, if, if us non-Christians, we're trying to get rid of Christianity or trying to get rid of creationism so that we can get away with racism, pornography, <laughs> pornography, family breakups, gay marriage. That's rough. Look out. We're really terrible people. Let me tell you something. If any gay marriage was as bad as my straight marriage, <laughs> uh, abortion, removal of the Ten Commandments, yeah, because maybe we need a couple more. <laughs> maybe do not hurt people, <laughs> sexually assault people, might be right, right, right. And, we should probably have and, and racism. But the idea is that they think that we're trying to get rid of creationism as a scientific idea so that, that we can get away with sins. And, but the funny thing is, like, if the, that means these are the Christians. This guy's shooting a cannonball over here. He doesn't know what's going on at all. <laughs> and then it, there's no strategy. He's shooting his own thing. Yeah, because he believes in uh, old earth creationism. So he's, yeah, he's totally ruining the whole. Anyway, the, the point is, I love it. I just love that Ken Ham did this for me. Yeah, I just uh, it's really satisfying to me. <laughs> so really, just severely dislike Ken Ham. Um, so anyway, the next uh, let's let's move right along there. That's hilarious. Let's look at it again. Okay. Um, so how do churches indoctrinate people? Um, this is really important. Uh, it's it's a little bit different if you grow up in church versus if you join church later. But there's a lot of overlap. So claim of exclusivity on truth. 
um, claim there are only certain sources for truth. So the Bible, your pastor, um, yeah, mostly those are the those are the kind of the two, like your maybe like your clergymen, your elders, whatever. Um, and if you get if you if you establish truth. The, the big thing is if you establish truth by your own means and your own reason, um, it has to be tested against biblical truth or against your church's beliefs or whatever. And if it doesn't match up, then you have to sort of throw it away, right? Um, uh, pastor, leader, clergyman having special knowledge is really big in like a, um, uh, like charismatic, charismatic circles where they'll have like a prophet in the church or several prophets that will like prophesy and give the church like special knowledge that they claim is directly from God. Um, which I thought I had to give to prophecy for a while, but that's a whole other story. Right. Uh, that's a story for my therapist. Christian education, that's a big one for me. Um, I mean, you should see the in, insane bias in the books that I, that, 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 like I was reading when I was growing up. It's, when, it's crazy. When I was younger, I had a, I knew, I heard a sermon where it was somebody in the South, and he, and he was saying that uh, we did a favor in America by having slavery because it was by that that people were able to hear about God. Right, right. Uh, yeah. If, if, this was was a, if this was my mic, I would drop it. Who was it? Yeah, I can't remember that. Uh, so limiting access to knowledge. Um, that's a little bit harder for, for adults, but they tend to encourage people not to. Like, it, it's sort of, it, that's more of a cultural thing, right, where it's like, oh, you don't read you don't waste your time reading science books. You don't waste your time reading uh, self-help, like yeah, self-help self books, psychology, those kinds of things. You read Christian books and you read the Bible and you read Christians' interpretation of the Bible. So that's kind of how it works with adults. With kids, it's easy. You just don't give them anything secular, right? Um, indoctrinated people, indoctrinate people. That's a big thing for Brady. Uh, most people that it, that participate in this sort of indoctrination don't uh, mean any harm. They're just they're just reciprocating. Aunt Lydia, uh, for anybody who watches Handmaid's Tale. And then, um, that was gonna be me. systematically instilling fear, um, hell, immorality, um, you know, uh, fear of the outside world. Um, we'll get a little bit more into that in the next section, but uh, let's skip that because we're. We gotta do time things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that was my favorite part, but it's okay. So, oh, was it? Let's no, go back. I mean, I mean, no, I'll, I'll tell a really brief version of it. So, uh, we had a guest on the show. <laughs> uh, so, we had a guest on the show that uh, that uh, was he was struggling with his beliefs in I think high school. He went to his pastor. He said, "I'm I'm wrestling with X, Y, and Z." The pastor gave him some books. Uh, again, probably Lee Strobel, <laughs> Rabbi Zachariah, Ken Han, probably Rabbi Zachariah. Yeah. And um, and he read them, and he came back and he said, "These didn't, these aren't really satisfactory answers for me." So the pastor's response was, "Oh, then there must be sin in your life," uh, which is a, a very manipulative term in Christianity, right? Um, and uh, so so effectively, like you can see how indoctrination works, right? You if you question if you use your own reason and you trust your own reason. Uh, then you must, you're doing something wrong. You are sinning. You are bad, right? Like you're struggling with your faith because, because you're sinning and you're, you're not seeing God properly, right? Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, 
that is an example of the next sort of uh, step in uh, religious trauma syndrome, which is going to be spiritual abuse. This is abuse administered under the guise of religion, including harassment or humiliation, which may result in psychological trauma. Uh, religious abuse may also include misuse of religion for selfish, secular, ideological, and such as abuse of their position. Um, as I talked about before with, with the situation with the, the church, the last church that I was disfellowshipped from, the only church I was disfellowshipped, the last church that I went to, uh, they did not have it as an option that their counseling, they would never allow themselves to think that their counseling may be lacking, okay? And so because of that, I, it, it came down to my, my, my fault. So after the fourth time that I tried to take her back, and I, it was clear that because of the mental health issues and what was going on in her marriage that I was not gonna, I couldn't fix it anymore. Uh, she filed for a divorce, and then two days later, uh, the church, or actually when they found out that she was gonna file for a divorce, the church told me that I needed to beg her to stay and ask for forgiveness of anything I ever could have done to make her wanna have an affair. Nothing in general, just uh, nothing specific, just in general, you know, and I said no. Uh, I, I taken it back four times. This is abusive. Uh, thank God I finally had somebody who helped define what spiritual abuse was for me. Uh, because once I had that as an understanding, as a term that I understood, then I was able to go back and say, no, this is done. I've done everything that I can, and I need to make peace with this. Uh, because at that point, my faith was, uh, was going away. Because I was taught that uh, our type of Christianity would make people loving in a supernatural way that never could be found in the world because if God is love, then only the people with love can actually really love people. That's what I believed. And then I realized if that's what this is, then it's kind of, it's kind of bullshit. And that's when things kind of t started to really unravel for me. Um, so I, I had to have a category in my mind that it was not uh, my fault. And so especially trying to realize that I was gay, all of that to go for it. So when the church told me to try to make her to say and ask for forgiveness, I said no. Um, two days later, unknown to me, um, in front of my church, they, they announced that I was being disfellowshipped uh, because I was not working to save my marriage. This was on a Sunday morning. In front of 250 front. people, yeah. some that I've never even met before. And this was right at the time that my wife was leaving me. My best friend just died. My ex-wife just outed me to my mom. My mom was trying to work on a new schedule where I would not have my son overnight because I'm gay. And quote, if I don't molest or rape him, one of my friends would. So I'm having to hit just trauma after trauma after trauma. And a lot of it is because I'm stuck inside of this indoctrination and this cycle of spiritual abuse where people aren't in their minds caring about empathy or uh, the effects of what I'm going through, they care about following their system dogmatically because they believe that's going to be the magic potion that's going to uh, Harry Potter ending of the movie and just, you know, everything has the, what do you call it, deus ex machina? Yeah. Latin. Machina, but yeah. Machina. Um. So I, I also want to point out uh, that the church didn't, they didn't stop at uh, announcing to their own congregation that Brady was not, no longer a part of the church. They actually called several different churches that Brady was like attempting to go to and 
told them that he was like a not a good person. Rebellious. Yeah, he was rebellious. That was the word that they used. Look out, folks. Uh, indoctrination. This single dad's gonna come and get ya. <laughs> boy, boy, were they right. <laughs> um, so Brady and I have both served in ministry, and we can tell you from experience. Uh, unfortunately, like this is kind of a uh, difficult part of this whole process for us is that we both participated in a lot of these systems uh, <laughs> yes. several times, and it's like it's funny, but it's also terrible when you think about it. Sometimes. Horrible. Yeah. Um, so we've seen these things happen. The ugliest things that happen in churches don't happen on Sunday morning from the pulpit. Like, that's, some ugly things happen there, Rare. but the worst things that happen are um, in, in church counseling sessions when you meet with your pastor, in pastoral uh, board meetings, like, really crazy things happen, deacon meetings, these, like, behind closed doors things where what happen, what, what often happens is people are struggling, and the the pastor, who's, you know, who's in, A, indoctrinated, B, his livelihood depends on the well-being of the church, a lot of times will make decisions that benefit the, the institution at the expense of an individual. In Brady's case, totally, uh, definitely the case. I mean, if you were a church leader and something was going wrong with your marriage, it was, it's like, it's a big thing to keep it hush-hush. It's a big thing to resolve everything as quickly as possible, make sure that everything looks perfect from the outside. It doesn't matter if your marriage isn't working, you, you make it work, right? So, um, yeah, that's the kind. So I have a story um, from my own life that uh, I was part of a church. A woman was, uh, her fiance sexually pursued somebody else in the congregation. She was deeply, deeply, deeply hurt by this. Um, I did, nothing actually happened, but it was one of those things where it, you know, it, was, a, it was a betrayal for sure. Um, the, church, the church's response to it was, um, the first thing that they wanted to do was get everybody together and try and reconcile the situation. So the, uh, the, 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 her fiance was a church leader. She was like a prominent member of the church. As a couple, they were sort of like looked up to by a lot of the young people in the church. So the, the, the mentality was, let's resolve this as quickly as possible. We can't have uh, dissonance in the, in the culture, right? So um, she was sort of like forced to, uh, to like try and forgive the both parties in the situation. Uh, she was forced to try and uh, to like continue to coexist with this woman that she had all this animosity towards because she was so deeply hurt by the situation. Um, the the marriage was sort of like it was encouraged to continue to happen instead of like taking a step back and saying, "Are you ready to get married? Is this a good idea? Are you going to be able to get over this?" Is the, you know, and it, uh, it didn't end well, quite frankly. The, the, uh, the woman was very deeply hurt about this for years because the, those first few weeks uh, is an important part of the healing process, and she was not able to heal. Um, it, it, was a, it was a messy situation, so um, that's sort of like something that I was in on, unfortunately, and uh, something that it, it, reconciliation is so uh, highly valued in that culture that it was like... Forgive and forget. Forgive, forgive and forget. And forget. It, was, it, was, it was automatic. It was like, of course, this is the right course of action. These people have to reconcile if, we, if what we believe is true. Again, don't pull out pieces of the Jenga uh, tower, right? 
Another thing that we did a lot of was redefining terms within our community. One of the big ones that comes to my mind is kind of uh, talking about respect and fear and reverence. When I say respect uh, to my son now, uh, I don't mean like in a scary way, reverence, but that's what we viewed it as. And so we kind of had to like, been some terms around to kind of fit into what we were doing as a community. Another one, mental health. We always look down upon mental health. Oh, the psychologists, the, the you know, counselors, or the secular, whatever. Jesus we, will fix your... Jesus, well, yeah, the Bible has all the answers was the kind of fundamentalist that I came, or fundamentalism that I came from. So when it came to getting... Um, Diagnosed, or to kind of get a little bit of uh, a breathing space to learn about that, we didn't have that opportunity. Um, really quick, there was a friend of mine that I grew up with when she was in youth group that uh, every day, she's on the podcast, I think it's episode 11, uh, it's called Enough with Ashley Adams. And my friend Ashley, growing up in youth group, everything, she had these really bad panic attacks and social anxiety and just really bad uh, themes were going on at home and perpetuated, but nobody was educated enough to know, hey, I want to pull you aside and say, hey, let's go, let's go look at some options for therapy or something. But we were with her all the time, and these other adults were with her all the time. And uh, she had to like excuse herself in church to have these anxiety attacks and then come back with people. And so these patterns should be seen, but she didn't want she couldn't go get help because the answer would have been, and it has been historically in those situations, um, well, hey, here's some more things that you need to do, here's some more books. You need to read. Uh, why don't you start doing more mission trips? Why don't you? And then there's all this other stress that's being added where you're having to keep yourself composed and look like a spiritual person, but in really, you're just screaming internally because there's so much undiagnosed mental illness. Love is another one in my Calvinistic uh, backgrounds. Love was kind of more defined as telling people things that they don't want to hear, but you know that they need to hear, you know? And so love became kind of like a, well, if you, if you really love me, then you're going to be a jerk. And so we would say things like, oh, yeah, let me encourage you to... And so encourage became a very manipulative word. You know, uh, another very manipulative word is bitterness. That if you show resentment and not immediate forgiveness, then uh, if you ha then it's like uh, you just seem to be really angry and very bitter. Because we know that bitterness in the Bible is talked about in a negative way, and so now uh, they define anything that we have as a negative thing, uh, an emotion towards somebody as bitterness. That's a manipulative uh, tactic that was that I've seen from several people in my life under unrelated ways. Uh, we get it. We should probably. Sorry, Keep okay. Rolling. Uh, Self-respect was looked down upon. Uh, Self-improvement was down, looked down upon. And same with counseling and anything. Counseling is just, the big thing there is that Sorry. it doesn't mean like professional, like somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. It means somebody that's like well-versed in the Bible or somebody that's considered wise by the church community, right? Um, real quick, another, uh, another really prominent and probably culturally more evident uh, uh, source of spiritual abuse is, is the culture fear and shame, right? So we see this a lot with sexuality and gender. Um, certain ambitions and motivations are considered sort of shameful or like outside of what's desirable. Um, if you want, if you're motivated by money or if you're motivated by 
you know, wanting to get ahead if you're motivated by intellect, if you're motivated by, uh, you know, the idea of, of, of being really good at anything in particular, that's considered a bad motivation. Your motivation is supposed to be to glorify God, so that's a big uh, part of that. We need to, what? Keep going down. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of examples of people that I mean, this is what our this is sort of where our show starts to kick in. Is our show is about people that went through this and stuck with it regardless. Um, and the, a big part of the reason that they do that is is I think we is twofold. One is uh, your entire social world is your church, right? So it's really difficult to make a decision that would. Yeah, A, hurt people around you by, by announcing that you've lost your faith, but also the risk, like a, the risk of, of losing those people is, is really high when you're talking about leaving the faith. The other reason is a little bit more complicated, and that's sort of our next point. Uh, religious gaslighting uh, is manipulation of somebody by psychological and spiritual means and questioning their own sanity, uh, believing blind faith over what is actually present and knowable. Um, like I said before, the, you just... You have to be, it's either your fault, and that's it, because we believe that everything was black and white and it was completely correct. Um, and what I needed, and what I'm hoping that this podcast is, is on the next slide, and that is, I, 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 what I really needed was, I needed somebody to open a door for me that I didn't know was there. Um, it's kind of like Clue, you know, where somebody's going through and they pull the right book and that door opens. And if you didn't know that that door was there, then uh, it's kind of a relief, because now you can find more clues and figure out who, who did the murder where and with what. Um, so that was kind of what it was for me, was to finally have an opportunity to step out of the cycle of indoctrination and out of the spiritual abuse that I had, and to start over after religious trauma. And um, I'm kind of hoping that that becomes, that's what our podcast is for a lot of people, is that, that ability to just have permission, to give yourself permission to say, hey, I'm actually going to sit down with my doubts and I'm really going to talk about this. And um, if I do stop believing, it doesn't mean I need to go off into the sunset and be quiet, but I can actually be a person again and redefine what that means for you. So the ways that religious gaslighting sort of perpetuates itself is it is it's most effective when it exploits the effects of indoctrination, right? So there's this belief that whatever problems you're experiencing will be resolved or fixed by the system, by the church, by God, by the Bible. Um, so so if you so when you start to when you start to think, hey, this behavior is abusive, I'm being hurt by this, or this system is hurting me, um, the, the job, the role of the, of the church is to say, well, that's your own reasoning that you're trusting. You need to go back to the, the, the text. You need to go back to the teaching. Uh, if effectively saying, like, your, your rational thoughts are invalid. Um, basically saying that you're crazy for trusting your own intuition, right? So uh, that's why people stay in the system. Um, and this is where me and Brady really come in, is, uh, is the process of, of deconstruction. Two more slides, we're done. <laughs> right, Promise. we're almost done. Deconstruction of our faith, um, that, that's the process where you're kind of taking through your belief systems and figuring out where exactly in this tube of sausage your beliefs stop, and uh, you get rid of everything else. Do you know what I mean? Of what kind of cuts? We like the, we like, some people call it deconversion. We prefer uh, deconstruction because it's way more of a process of unlearning than it is uh, like a, a choice to be something else, right? And it's not destruction. Uh, we don't expect everyone to leave the faith completely. Sometimes it's not our goal. But our 
frivolous for people to find what they're comfortable with and where they're able to be themselves and not have to compromise who their internal ethics are and their internal morality um, is that they're able to be true to who they are and not be ashamed of things that are being shamed by the Christian fundamentalism that we came out of. I can be gay now. I'm a gay single dad and I'm able to be happy about that and have contentment in that um, in a way that I never in my entire life thought was going to be a possibility and would keep me up at night and make me have to put myself to therapy and hopefully to fix myself, which I tried several times. And, and so now I'm able to step back and say, let me actually look at morality, what actually affects other people, and then this is kind of part of my deconstruction and pulling all of that. So, um, we, so what we've been really looking into with our show is what are the effects of deconstruction? How does that hurt people? Uh, feeling stupid or duped is a very, very common thing. You get out of it once you stop believing it. You're like, how did I ever believe this? An adult it's very common. There's no resort. Right, right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Who, who believed in Noah's Ark? You feel very let down by your community, often by your parents, by your family. Um, you're behind in directionless. That was a big one for Brady um, when he came out, and he, he was so like his even his college experience for Brady was was Christian. Um, leads to the faith. His entire life was built around the idea of becoming a pastor, and now uh, gets out in the world has has no practical skills because you've devoted all of your intellect and all of your time to studying theology. This is a really common thing for people that were, were deeply involved in church. Um, out of touch with your own body, sexuality, ability to reason. Episode four, uh, Jamie on our show talks a lot about uh, re reacquainting yourself with your body. Um, you are Your body is bad when you're a Christian. It's the flesh, right? Um, so the desires of your body are, are a bad thing. So you you, you struggle with that a lot. Um, you, uh, there's a, it's a, it's a painful but really awesome, beautiful process to reunite with your body. Right? Um, trouble processing emotions. Emotions are deceptive. Um, we're, we're taught not to process them, then we're taught to give them to God, whatever that means. Which really, uh, if there is no God, is is just repressing them, right? Um, so you have to learn to unrepress, and then you have to learn how to process emotions. Uh, loss of community and feeling like an outsider um, kind of goes back to out of touch. But uh, you, you, uh, for a lot of people, you lose everybody that you know and love, um, especially in fundamentalist circles where you are shunned. You're effectively either passively or actively shunned. Uh, by your community, so you have to you have to start from scratch. You have to decide to make friends with people from work, which you probably didn't do before because your community was your church, things like that. Um, in a shattered worldview, you have to rebuild your worldview from the ground up. You have literally nothing. For me, uh, well, no, I'll, get, I'll get into that on the next slide. So that leads us into our last point, which is. Reconstruction, this is the hopeful part of this whole thing. Uh, we've seen this, it's possible, you can do it. For me, the first step was, um, I had no basis for my worldview. The first thing that I decided was, I'm going to do things that are, before I even was comfortable using the word empathy, uh, I'm going to do what's happy and healthy for me and what's happy and healthy for the people around me. And sometimes those things contradict each other and you have to wrestle with that conundrum. But um, I no longer had a book to tell me what to believe. So that was where I started and I, I started building from there. Um, rebuilding community, uh, that's 
why we started the podcast was uh, so that there would be a voice for these people, uh, so that there would be a conversation, um, so that we could find other like-minded people. When enough people say, things. when enough people say, I thought I was the only one going through this. Yeah. There's a point where it's like, I need to get the people who keep saying that in touch. We with probably hear people say that once a week, twice yeah. a week, uh, different people that we've never met. Um, go to therapy. Professional uh, license. Learn how to feel. Yeah, professional license therapy. Don't go to your church. We have a whole episode about it. Don't go to your church therapy. Um, uh, learn how to feel again. Learn how to be in touch with your own emotions. Learn how to talk things out uh, without having to involve God, who's extremely unpredictable um, and probably doesn't exist. Uh, regaining sense of self and autonomy. Again, that's reuniting with your body. That's being able to make your own decisions. Um, and then disappointed parents again, because <laughs> we all we all disappointed our parents, and then I disappointed them again. Um, that was just kind of a joke to throw in. But. Thank you all so much for listening to us today. Oh, we question. can find it on any... Right, so uh, anywhere that you stream podcasts or podcasts is available, it's called The Life After. Uh, we have a <coughs> Patreon. Um, if you want to donate to the cause, we are on Spotify, which not every podcast is. Uh, and also for our community, so we have a, a secret Facebook community where you're, you're not, your identity is not uh, known to anybody outside of the group. It's a safe space to talk about your faith. There's zero argumentation. Uh, you That's not always supportive. There's a there's very 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 little. Don't use absolute chuck. And if there is, it's it's highly regulated. Um, and also, we have a, a Slack if you're not if you're anti Facebook because increasingly people are pretty anti Facebook. So. Should be. Yeah, and, and and probably should be. So. Thank yep. you so much. Thank you. Yeah.